Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, welcome to our series that we've simply entitled Think. And man, we have spent some time, and by all means, we are not finished with this yet. Uh, but today, we are going to spend some time on anxiety and worry. And how do we, how do we overcome then? Let's just be honest, if we would, all of us in this room today have dealt with worry. You may be worried right now. You may be worried that I'm going to talk too long today. I didn't get any mens on that. That's good. You may have anxiety today about, about the future. And worry and anxiety have to be dealt with, my church family. It's got to be dealt with. You can't allow your mind to be passive. You can't allow your mind to be passive. I want to read this scripture to you because this scripture for me was very, very sobering. The Bible talks about in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, the Bible says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. But a good word, how many of you believe today you're going to hear a good word? But a good word makes it glad. So the Bible talks about a process of anxiety, if it's not dealt with, can cause depression in your life. But there can be a change. If you can hear a good word, the word of God, there can be a change. I don't know if you know this about your life, but you are a manager. You have to manage your thoughts. You have to learn how to do that. You have to learn, we have to learn how to make our mind our servant. Listen, what's really important is that Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. This has been our theme verse. And I want to just say this just to, and I'm going to say this in the future as we continue this series. Because I think it's so important because so many people miss this. The truth is, you are what's in your head. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I want you to hear this, because I've been saying it. When you receive Jesus in your spirit, positionally before Christ, you are perfect in your spirit. But the condition of your life is dependent on your mind. The condition of your life right now is dependent on your thought life. Because the Bible says that he who focuses or sets his mind on the flesh will reap the things of the flesh. But he who sets his mind on the things of the spirit, the things of the spirit. So I can have Jesus on the inside of us. You know, this today we talked about his love. and I can know that I am loved, you know. And in your spirit, you have the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace. I could go through. They're all in here. But you won't experience it until this changes and this focuses. You have to focus your mind on the spirit. You know what's interesting is that all of you have peace. It's on the inside. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It just happens. It's one of the fruits of the, it's the evidence. But why is it that Christian people don't have peace or say they don't have peace? It's because they haven't set their mind on the peace. You know, we all have joy. You have joy. But why isn't it that we don't experience the joy? Because we don't set our minds on joy. I 
been thinking about this because I said this a couple weeks ago. We said this is how Jesus endured the cross. You want to talk about the greatest torment, the greatest punishment. The book of Hebrews tells us that he endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. So in increased torture and punishment, Jesus was focusing his mind on the joy. Joy will help you endure. And let me tell you, you got it on the inside of you. But are you focused on that joy? So positionally, in Christ, you are perfect. Man, the spirit, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you. But is it making it to your mind? This is why you have a lot of Christians that don't, they walk away and they go, well, I don't think this stuff works. Oh, no, it works. You just don't work it. You're going to have to set your mind on it. Because you can have peace on the inside, but your mind can be chaotic, and the condition of your life will be chaotic. Come on, can I hear a good amen, somebody? So that's why I say you are what's in your head. Your thoughts matter. This scripture doesn't say, as your spirit thinketh, so are you. The scripture says, as a man thinketh, or a woman thinketh in his heart. You know, I'm reading this book, and I just would like to you just refer it to you. And uh, as you say, why, why would you spend so much time, uh, Pastor Phil, uh, you know, talking about your mind? And uh, I, I've been looking at the stats in this book. It's called Switch Your Brain On by Dr. Uh, Caroline Leaf. There's a lot of medical terms in here. And I'm just telling you, man, this, this, this actually scientifically tells you how you were made and how powerful your mind is. I know we don't talk about this in church. We always talk about spirit. Spirit. And it's like we think that the Bible says be transformed by the removal of your mind. It doesn't say that. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so God wants this to change, and it can change. But I thought some of these statistics, I didn't know if I should show them to you today because it just really shows you how much is in your head. Are you ready for these statistics? This is why we're spending some time. Well, this is what she outlines in this book. She says about 75% to 98, you can go to the statistics, go to the next, yeah, there you go. Uh, about 75 to 98% of mental and physical illness comes from one's thought life. 75% to 98% comes from where? Your thought life. Then she says, a study by the American Medical Association found that stress is the factor in 75% of all illnesses and sicknesses that people suffer from today. The association between stress and disease is 85%. I'll say that again. The association between stress and disease is 85%. Are you ready for this one? 80% of cancers are due to a lifestyle and not genetics. And this is a conservative number. According to this scientist, Dr. Bruce Lipton, he says 98% of diseases are related to life choices. In other words, your thinking. The American Institute of Health estimates that 75%, 75 to 90% of all visits to primary care physicians are for stress-related problems. And the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, they did a, a study. I don't know how they did the study without getting sued, but it was in a book. They went to a football team. And they told all of them individually that they had a disease. And they told them all that, what the symptoms were. But they told them all separately. 
within 48 hours, all of them came down with those specific symptoms just because they were told and it was all right in here. Ladies and gentlemen, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So let's talk about, I got everybody's attention. I can just feel it with those statistics. Like, whoo, people are like, yeah, whoo. Thank you. I'm going to have to put some statistics in every message now. So let's talk about overcoming worry and anxiety. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Do you like science? Pastor Fowl loves science when it lines up with the word of God. Some science is now catching up to the word of God. Jesus has said this all along. Come on, somebody. So it's to some people, science is their God. That's not my God. This is my God. The word of God is my my ultimate authority, but I like when science proves the word of God. We're going to look at anxiety today and how to overcome it, and I believe that God wants you to have a sound mind. The Bible says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, Jesus is speaking here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, and uh, this is what he says, and he's talking about worry. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. But what, or what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you, are you not more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory, and it was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not, I want you to listen to these two words, will he not much more, will he not much more, would you say that with me, say much more, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows, he knows that you have need of all these things. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Would you say that with me real quick? Say, added unto me. It's going to be added unto me. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day uh, the sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, Jesus is talking about the necessities of life. And today, I, I just want to, with God's help, maybe bring some perspective to our lives that I think God has really showed me. I think it's important that we all understand that God is the source of life, and he's given you life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You'll never know life until you know Jesus. He's given us life. But I have a couple of questions that I want to ask us today because I think it will bring some revelation to us. He's talking about the things that you need for ordinary life. This is not something spectacular. This is just something for life. And this is what he says. He talks about food. He talks about clothing. How many of you know we need all of that? But here's the question I have. I have two. Number one, why do we need food? I want you to think about this for a moment. Why do you need food? 
well, Pastor Phil, if I don't have food for a long period of time, I could die. Or here's the, really the answer. You need food because that's the way God created you to function. Before the fall of man, Adam and Eve ate. They ate and you today eat because that's the way God created you. And I'm going somewhere with this. Why is it that we wear clothing? Well, Pastor Phil, I don't wear clothing. I'll get arrested if I'm walking outside, you know, indecent exposure, all that. Hey, I, 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 that's what I need. Well, there's a bigger picture here. The bigger picture in our clothing is this. The bigger picture is that we are clothed, right? And how did that even happen? Do you remember when Adam and Eve ate from the tree and God was walking in the cool of the day? Adam said this because they were in touch with their shame and their guilt. Adam and Eve took fig leaves and tried to cover themselves. And here's here's why we are clothed. Jesus, or God, when he came into the garden, the Bible says that he killed an animal, took the skins, and this is very important, he took those skins and God covered Adam and Eve with the shedding of the blood of an animal. My church family, it was always God's intention for him to clothe you not for you to clothe you. That's why when Jesus was walking and he cursed the fig tree, I don't know if you remember that, because there was no fruit on it, the bigger picture was fig leaves represent self-effort, self-covering, and Jesus cursed that because there is no fruit in self-effort. Can I hear a good amen? And so what he did was he cursed that. And so ever since, here's the thought process, man clothing themselves or God clothing you. And here's what I love about these particular scriptures that we just read. Are you ready? He says, you need to start looking around. Do you see the birds of the air? I have never seen a bird on a tree having a nervous breakdown because they can't find food. I've never seen it. I see, actually, I don't know what they feed these crows here in Marietta, but they are ginormous and they sound like that movie Alien. Have you ever heard it? Like, I'm like, oh, I remember coming out of my house one time. I was like, we're under attack, people. Get under the truck. And I look, and it was just a black crow. Come on. Not the band. Not the band, the black crows. It was a crow. He's not stressing out about food. And then the Bible says, see, all of this is right here. He says, look at the birds. Your worrying is dependent on what you're looking at. What are you looking at? My bills. Or are you looking at him as your provider? Then he says, again, look at the lilies of the field. And I love this. This ministered to me so much when I was reading this. And I've never heard anybody say this, but I really felt like God put this on my heart. He says, look at the lilies of the field, how beautiful they are. And then he says, he compares the splendor of the lily. He says this. He says, but if you will allow me to clothe you, I, you will look better than a king because what he does is he says those lilies that I clothe, God is saying, actually have more splendor than King Solomon. And he's saying to us today that if you will allow me, God, to clothe your life, you will be more radiant than a king. Pastor Phil, why don't I experience that? Because we're like Adam and Eve trying to clothe ourselves all the time. Now, I understand many of us don't understand right now what I'm talking about because you're like, well, I got up and I clothed myself, Pastor Phil. What the heck are you talking about? Obviously, yes, I'm glad you did. But he's talking about 
your clothes and how you attain them and how that God is not going to leave you that, uh, naked. He's not going to leave you without food because he created you that way so he will supply because it was his idea all along. Can you say a good amen, somebody? I put in my notes, it all came from God. You're worried about how you're supposed to eat, but it was his idea to begin with. You're worried about your clothing, but clothing was his idea when Adam sinned. He gave them better clothes than just a little fig leaf. And I think that's the comparison in our life. We got a fig leaf and God's got a, a nice big skin that he wants, to, he wants to put over our life. God always wanted to clothe man. God, listen to this statement, always wanted to cover man. Do you know that Adam was with God's splendor? And when God created him, we say he was naked, but actually he was clothed in God's glory. And when Adam forfeited that glory, guess what? That's when sin came into the world. So Jesus is talking about food. He's talking about clothes. And then he mentions this. He mentions the word value. He talks about, don't you, aren't you more valuable than the birds? I think that's a question you're going to have to ask yourself. Am I not more valuable than the birds? And I've never, again, I've just never seen a bird freaking out. They're just walking around waiting for God to feel them. Now, feed them. But see, some people have anxiety because in these moments, moments, they forget how valuable they are. He's comparing you to a bird, and he says, look what I do for the birds. How much more am I going to do for you? Ladies and gentlemen, that's the life I want to live in. I want to live in the how much more life. How much more can God clothe me if I will get out of the way? How much more can God feed me and do in my life if I will just get out of the way? But I find it very interesting that he mentions food, he mentions clothes, and then he mentions value. And here's where anxiety and worry can come in. You need to be careful that you don't get your value from your food and your clothes. Because many people do. Many people, they get their value for how big their boat is, how, what the square footage on their house is. And I'm going to tell you, if that's where you get your value from, you will be worried. Because those are all material and they are all temporary things. And so let's not get in this idea. But see, because I think we do. I think we think just because people have a mansion in Beverly Hills that, man, oh, wow, they're living in this mansion. No, you know what? As a matter of fact, there are people in Beverly Hills who are blowing their brains out because they're not living in the mansion. They're living in the anxiety and worry of their own mind. So what good does a mansion do if you can't think and get your thinking straight? And so God says, before you think I'm preaching against things, uh-uh, I'm not preaching against things because the Bible says he'll do much more in your life. He says that he'll add things to you, but he doesn't want you to be possessed by things. When you are things conscious, all the time you will be worried. And that's why he says in verse 33, he says this, he says, seek first my kingdom, all these things will be added. And I want to, I really want to say this again. God says, I know you need them. But are you going to let me provide them for you? Or are you going to keep playing the lottery? Are you going to keep doing all of these self-effort things? And it's either you or it's either God. You know, when he mentions the word value, I thought of this scripture, and it's funny that that's the way the service went. In 1 John 4, 18, it says this, there is no fear in love. 
How valuable do you think you are to God? There is no fear in love. I hear single people tell me all the time, you know, Pastor Phil, I'm just in the relationship and, you know, I'm not sure about the love. There is no fear in love. You know, I just, I just kind of feel like insecure. There's no fear in love. Well, I'm really scared. I'm really scared. There's no fear in love. You know, gosh, I don't know if he's the right one. Well, you know what? When you know, there's no fear. I always tell people, if you don't know, it's no. Because when you know, you know. Well, how do I know that I know? Because you know that you know. Because if you don't know, you know. It's no. It's that simple. Boy, where do you go at? There's no fear in love. Just want to make sure. There's a period right there. There's no fear in love, period. Just wanted to make sure because sometimes I have little typos in these things. Period. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, torment, anxiety, worry. And here's the reality. When we all go through something, you know what? One is the first question we ask, God, don't you love me? There is no fear in love. God loves you. And you know what? You may be going through something, but just remember, he's going to provide. He's going to step in. When I know that I'm valued by God, I do not have to fear or worry. God knows what you need. He knows what you need. And he's talking about all of these different things. And again, God wants to close you much more, much more. Don't worry. Let me talk to you a little bit about why the Bible says not to worry. I just wrote down some things. Number one, worry is a totally, is, is a total distraction. Always, when you're worrying, you're always focused on the wrong thing. Now, if I can use this word without people getting upset and calling me new age, I'm going to use this word. You only have so much mental energy. You're either going to use it to focus on the right things or you're going to use it to focus on the wrong things. But that is your choice. You can't always choose what's happening in life around you, but you can choose what you think about. You can choose how you respond to those things. And worry is always focusing on the wrong things. It's always focusing on what you're lacking instead of God's peace. Do you know what's amazing to me? In years being in the church, we can be in an atmosphere just like we were with worship. We put the words on the screen. Why? So you can look at them, think about them. We can have an atmosphere of that. But you know what? Your brain in the morning worship service can be at the Sizzler Buffet or the new Golden Corral. Come on, somebody. Something's happening in this valley. Your mind can be on the game, your mind, and it's like you were never even here. You know why? Because you were distracted in the very presence of God. Do you know one of the hardest things for me when I come into the worship service is setting my mind. My spirit is like, ah. my mind is like, ah. and you didn't do this. And did you leave that in the dryer? Blah, 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 blah. Constantly going on. So when I come in here, I got to focus my mind. That's why a lot of times I close my eyes when I'm worshiping because I know that there's stuff going on. But you can come in here and not have your mind focused. And ladies and gentlemen, you will get nothing out of the service. It had nothing to do with your spirit. It had everything to do with you having a distracted mind. And anxiety and worry are really both attacks on your mind. 
And it's intended for you to stop serving the Lord. I, I hear so many people, well, I got this going on. I don't have time to serve. And I, that's the purpose of your distractions is so you don't serve and you don't come to church. Because at the end of the day, you're going to sit there and go, why doesn't this all work? It didn't work because you were distracted. It had nothing to do with the spirit, had nothing to do with God. It had everything to do that you were distracted. And so what worry does, and these are such simple things. I wish, because I know that when I talk about simple things, some of us have to have like a deep revelation for like, well, that's not deep enough. I know, but you need to listen that because worry, it's all about just keeping your mind busy on the wrong things so you don't use your mind for what God created it for. And little distractions just little, the Bible says it's the little fox, that sport, the little things. When I hear about how, why people don't come to church sometimes, I'm like, really, that's all it took? That's all the devil has to do is give you a thought and you'll go this way? I'm amazed. Listen, in years of counseling people, in years of the church world, how I will speak a message like this and I know people need to hear it. And you know what? They will call me up three days later and say, I need to talk to you about ba 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 ba. And I said, you know what? We just talked about ba 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 at church. Where the heck were you? You know where you were? Distracted. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not that good of a counselor, but what God can do in this atmosphere when we come together, it's nothing compared to me sitting across a table at Starbucks with you and reading you a little scripture and telling you, because there is such an atmosphere of change in this place, and there's an anointing that when we come together, come on, don't be distracted. Don't have a distracted mind. If you have a distracted mind, you will have a distracted mind. If you have a defeated mind, you will have a defeated life. If you have a chaotic mind, your life is a reflection of what's going on in here. And God has given you the bill and he will help you. You are in charge of your brain. Your brain is not in charge of you. Come on, somebody. Worry is a distraction. Number two, worry is absolutely useless. The Bible says you cannot add a cubit of stature by worrying. I'm the kind of guy now, especially with the church and things are growing. I don't have a lot of time. I hate useless time. When I'm standing in line at some place, I have my phone and I'm on the Bible app and I'm in a line because I want to keep my mind focused on the things of the Lord. I hate you. But can you imagine going two or three years and really thinking that because of your worrying that it's having an impact on your life, but after two years you realize that it was useless? See, I think that's the deception about worry. You actually think it's going to have a great impact on your life. You actually think you're doing something, but you're actually doing nothing. You were distracted. So if worry doesn't make anything better, why do it? I want you to hear this statement. It is absolutely impossible to worry and live in peace at the same time. It is impossible to. Now, here's the battle. The battle's here. This battle is already won. Jesus has overcome. There's a scripture I love, and I'm praying it over my son right now. You know what the Bible says? Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. You and I as believers can have the mind of Christ. You know, I have ADD, AT&T, Verizon Wires. I have them all, okay? I have the ADHD. I have the, the Sprint. I got it all going on in here, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. You do not know how 
hard it is to focus until you have to focus. You don't know how bad you are at focusing until you have to do it. You have to focus. And this is, this is I'm just telling you, it's a miracle for me. It's my pro and my con. I'm going to be honest with you. To be up here and speak to you, I have to stay in the zone. Because I get real distracted. I see people picking their nose. I see people going like this. I see people like this. I see people like, eh. Right? I mean, it's just, and I have to be focused and stay in the zone. I see when people are coming in, leaving, looking. I see it all. I see it all. And I have to stay focused. And my wife will tell you at home, I'm just, I got like, I, 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 Ugh. When things are all out of sync at, at the house, my mind literally goes to every little thing. It's like a little computer. What's that there? And I have to go, ah! mine, focus. Mine, get under control. It's got to be my servant. But here's the battle. You got peace in here, but it's got to make it up here. And so what I've had to do in the last, this series has helped me so much because when I feel like I don't have joy, I don't feel it because your feelings come from your thoughts. And I find that I don't have joy because I'm not focusing on the joy of the Lord. I want you to hear this statement. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if the devil can distract me from my joy, I I don't have strength, ladies and gentlemen. And how did the devil come in at night, poke me with a pitchfork in the butt and say, I'm stealing your joy? No, you know what he did? He distracted me. All he did was do a distraction. And now because I'm not focusing on joy, I'm losing strength because it's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. And you know what I said? I'm going to do this. And whatever's going on in my life, I'm going to focus on the joy like Jesus did set before him because the joy is your strength. So if I were to put a little equation together, what is your strength like? Oh, Pastor Phil, I'm tired. I'm tired. Hey, welcome to the club. We're all tired. But can I just give you a word of encouragement? We can sleep when we get to heaven. But now, we're all tired. Everybody's tired. I wonder if you didn't tell yourself you were tired so much, how tired you would be. Right? Because, ladies and gentlemen, I have been there. I've been exhausted. But most of it's right here. I'm so tired. What did you do today? Oh, I did nothing. I'm tired of doing nothing. I stayed in bed all day. It was great, but oh, now I'm tired. I need a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> okay. Okay. But you know what? If I were to ask you where your strength is, your strength is equivalent to your focus on the joy that you're thinking about. It's already inside. It's all here, ladies and gentlemen. Joy, peace, love, patience, goodness, kindness, all of it but you got to set your mind on it. Is this good today? I don't know if this is, is, if this is good. And in these last moments together, Jesus is always our example. Ladies and gentlemen, he walked in such peace. When he was on the earth, and remember, he's 100% man, 100% God, and he's walking in such peace. And this is what he says, and I love him for saying this because he knew that we would need it. In John 14, 27, Jesus said this, peace I leave you. But these two words, my peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither 
let it be afraid. If you're waiting for a moment when there are God lines up the heavens and everything is perfect and you don't have to worry anymore, ladies and gentlemen, that's not going to happen until we get to heaven. The Bible actually says in this world you're going to have trouble. And there's trouble all around. But what's going to be happening in here? He says, I leave you my peace. It's the peace that you see Jesus sleeping in a boat when there's a horrible storm happening. The disciples are freaking out. They go to Jesus and they're, hey, don't you care about us? And Jesus is out. And I love this. I, I look for little words and they just make me laugh. There's one translation that says, Jesus is asleep on a pillow. The my pillow. Have you heard that commercial? It's probably the my pillow. You see that guy, it's funny. Oh, this is my pillow. I made it. It's amazing. Okay, whatever. He's asleep on a pillow. That's the peace. That's the peace that whatever storm you're in right now, you have because Jesus gave to you. But see, the disciples were focused on the storm. Jesus was at perfect peace. And he had to get up and say, peace, be still. And the waters obeyed him. That peace, ladies and gentlemen, is the peace that Jesus had when they picked up stones and they tried to kill him in peace. He walked right through them. In any relationships, you may have some relationships right now, they're chaotic. You can be in peace because this is the peace. You know, the Bible talks about this peace and this peace, this word means wellness, wholeness, completeness, as well as peace of heart and mind. So having this peace means every part of your body will be well. And ladies and gentlemen, let me encourage you again. It's inside of you. It's in there. It's in there. But he says, I leave you my peace. It's not a worldly peace. It doesn't come from just, you know what? Soothing music. Let me just put on some soothing music so I could calm down. It doesn't come just by sitting by the lake. So I'm not against all these things. But you can sit by the lake and then go to work the next day and it'd be so chaotic and all you did was sit by the lake. He's talking about something that's much deeper, something that's more than just deep breathing. He's talking about a peace that's so robust that it doesn't depend on circumstances. It doesn't depend on what's going on around it because it has an anchor in God. Do you know that ship was not going down because Jesus was in it? Can I tell you, your life is not going to go down. Jesus is in it. And you need to start focusing on him. So let me just give you these three simple steps. I'm a simple guy. This is my job as pastor to take really complicated things and put them into a simple thing. I try to come up with little steps that I do to help me against worry. So I came up with a three thing, something really easy. I call them sticky statements, right? Here's what it is. For worry, you got to toss it, take it, and thank it. Toss it, take it, thank it. So here's the first one, toss it. Do you ever get a, a stone and skid it on that lake that you were looking at? So fun. You get a stone, you throw it. The Bible says in First. Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 7, it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your cares upon him, because he cares for you. So I'm, and that word, 
toss, that word uh, cast is that actual word of taking a stone and throwing it on the water. You need to toss that away. Now, here's what many of us do. We know this scripture, and so we toss our cares up to God, and then today at church, here you go, God, here's my cares. And then on Monday, God, could I have those back? Once you toss them to God, don't take them back. Let me give you a secret. He can work on your problems better than you can. There's no reason for you to have sleepless nights. Let God do the work. You know what's interesting is that in that story about Jesus being in the boat, listen, when you are at rest, God will work. But when you are at work, God will be at rest. And he wants you to be at rest so he can take care of those problems. The interesting thing about First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, you need to understand, when he says God resists the proud, God loves everybody. But really what he's talking about here is people who are prideful resist God. So here's the reality. I put this in my notes. The man that is full of pride, the man that the proud man is full of himself, the humble man is full of God. And so I have to be humble enough to say, God, handle this. I can't handle it. I can't handle this. And he says, I care about you so much. Give it to me. See, a person who still worries still thinks that in some way, they can solve their own problems. And so when you are worried, you're not being humble. Let me say that again. When you are worried, you're not being humble. And when you're not being humble, you are resisting God working in your life. Because the proud person says, I'll clothe myself. Give me some of those fig leaves. And yet God has a fur coat for you. I'm taking a big risk saying that today in California, talking about a fur coat. I love animals. I know, get over it. God killed one. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. God killed an animal. It was representative of the shedding of blood because sin, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. It costs life. So there had to be shedding of blood. A life had to be taken for that sin. So God took an animal's life. It was probably a lamb. That's why when Jesus came, he was the perfect lamb of God, shed his blood so we could live a forgiven life. Man, that's such a good word. Toss it. Everybody say that. Say toss it. I don't care how you have to think of it. If you have to think of a toss salad, toss it. Come on, somebody. Toss it. Whatever that is, toss it. Give it to God. God, I lost my job. God, I lost my job. Listen, he already knows. But he wants to be your job finder. Toss it. Number three, number two, take it. Take what? Take one day at a time. Take one day at a time. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Therefore, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day it is in its own trouble. This has helped me. Listen, when Jesus was praying his prayer, the Lord's prayer, what did he say? Jesus said, and he's modeling to us, give us this day our daily bread. Ladies and gentlemen, God, you have to understand this. God gives us daily bread. 
He doesn't give us tomorrow's bread today. He gives us daily bread. And here's the good news. Today, you have enough bread, enough energy, enough provision for today's battles for today. Stop thinking about tomorrow. It's Memorial Day weekend. I'm so excited. Tomorrow's, oh, I got to go back to work on Monday. That stinks. You're not in Monday yet. Enjoy today. This week, shut up. Can we enjoy today? Can I tell you, this is what's going on in our minds. And if you're doing it, it's normal because you're thinking, this is the distraction. I remember holding my son for the very first time, and I'm going, oh, I wish this kid came with a handbook. I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. How am I going to be a good father? I remember holding my son, and he's getting older. I had this thought. This is the thought I had. How are you going to pay for his college? He's freaking five months old. He ain't going to, but here's the thing. The mind starts shooting into years, and you just go, can I just, ra-? I was just happy that he was one years old, like we made it. And then this week he graduated from kindergarten, and I'm like, yes. Me and Val were high-fiving each other like, we got one year of school in the bag. Now, we got 12 other years, but let me just say, can we just take today and enjoy today? Come on, somebody. Enjoy today. Stop thinking about tomorrow. Now, listen, doesn't mean we don't plan for tomorrow. It just means we don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have its own bread. It'll have its own bread. Tomorrow will have its own problem. And let me just say this. There's a statistic out that said 90% of the things that you worry about don't even happen anyway. Don't waste today thinking about and worrying about tomorrow. Let the Lord fight your battles. Stop trying to fight tomorrow's battles today. I put this in my notes with like four exclamation points. Enjoy today. Sit on the couch with your spouse and enjoy today. Get your kids around and just enjoy today. I don't know what we're going to do with them for the summer. Like they were in school, now they're going to enjoy today. Come on, somebody. I see hand, I see people smiling because you know exactly what I'm talking about. So you toss it. You take it day, one day at a time. And then number three, here's the last one for today. You have to be thankful. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Why? God's in control. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. But in everything. But see, here's the challenge. We don't give him everything. We give him something. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Prayer is the antidote for worry. If you want to do something, because I know there's a bunch of worry, uh, worry warts. They all, if they don't have anything to worry about, they're going to ask you what you're going through so they can worry about what you're worrying about. Right? But listen, if you want to do something, the Bible says pray. Pray, but here's what he says. This is the key to it all. When you pray, pray with thanksgiving, letting your requests be known unto God. Look at the result. Look at the result. Here's the result, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. This is the key, ladies and gentlemen. I only thank you when you've done something for me. If you open the door for me, I thank you. So what the writer Paul is saying, you don't have to say, God, will you heal me? 
you can say, God, I thank you that I'm healed because your healing took place 2,000 years ago when the blood was began to spill out, Isaiah said, that by his stripes you are healed. Ladies and gentlemen, your healing is already done paid for. So what I do is I'm not like, God, will you heal me? I thank God because he's already done it. And I say, God, I thank you that I am healed already in Jesus name. Does that make sense? So what I'm doing is I'm thanking God already. Listen, your provision is already taken care of. You need to start thanking God for it. You need to start saying, God, I thank you that it's already done. Tomorrow's bread will be there tomorrow. And that's why I can raise my hands up in the air and say, thank you, God. And I can enjoy today. You always thank someone after they've already done something for you. So you know what? I can toss my cares up to God. I can sit back and not worry about today because tomorrow is already taken care of. So I can just thank God. God, you will clothe me. God it's all about you. God, you're working this out. God, you know my deadlines. God, you know when this bill is due. I thank you. You are my provider. You know what that's doing? That's setting your mind on the peace of God. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 